Welcome to the Bread and Circuses Podcast, brought to you by Digital Pizza, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns, and enjoy this shit show. Hello, welcome everyone. I'm Crow, and calling again in from an undisclosed location is Rooster. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. I miss seeing you. <laughs> I was just going to say I can't wait to see your bright shining face again. Mm. Not, it does not... make it a lot easier. That way I'm not talking over you guys like I was in uh, the last episode. Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> All right, <laughs> but you know the port, the polar vortex is uh, conspiring against us. That's uh, you know, it's just how it is. Yep. All right, I'm going to turn you up a little bit. You seem quiet to me. Why? Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So we had a we had a bunch of stuff to get to. So why don't you just start firing away? Do you want to talk about AOC right off the bat, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez? I don't want to, but I think it's unavoidable. Okay. Might as well start with that because uh, she says a lot of stupid things. I'll say this. I have to apologize to you because last time we sort of got into it about whether or not she was a smart person who was acting dumb or whether she was just plain dumb. And I was in the she's a smart person with no wisdom kind of thing. And you said, no, nope, she's a dummy. Uh, I, I, uh, I give in. You are right. I think she's just a flat out dummy. Well, to be honest with you, you're giving me a little more credit than than I deserve because I actually didn't say she was a dummy. I said she was right smack in the middle of the bell curve. So, yeah, but you know, I I think at at points when we've talked about it, you've said, ah, she's a dummy. She is, and I I was I was actually trying. I was being a little generous. So, um, so so she tweeted out, um, uh, yup. If you don't like the hashtag Green New Deal, then come up with your own ambitious on-scale proposal to address the global climate crisis. Until then, we're in charge, and you're just shouting from the cheap seats. So this was brought. Hold on, Uh, this was brought to my attention by um, uh, Tim Pool, um, one of his videos, which he's been excellent. We we said this a few times already, but he's been on top of the shit that we're. Uh, you know, that's stuff that we find relevant is stuff that he does too, I guess. And, uh, so every time I see a post from him, I'm, I'm very, uh, very into it. So, but he brought this one up and, uh, he, he wasn't too happy about it. So I'm going to play a little clip of Tim uh, responding to this. All right. Yep. Look at this tweet. She said, yup. If you don't like the green new deal, then come up with your own ambitious on scale proposal to address the global climate crisis. I can agree with the first part of that. I got an idea. Let's only pay people who work. And how about, as I responded, let's remove the weird racial racialism that you've included in an environmental bill, which makes no fucking sense. But here's what she says. Until then, we're in charge and you're just shouting from the cheap seats. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, you know, she's uh, she's running train on stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that quote. 
My problem with this sort of reasoning is it's, okay, my idea is dumb, so you come up with a better idea. Otherwise, my dumb idea is the best idea. So fuck off. Yeah, it's, it's, it's utter and complete nonsense. And uh, the, the more she talks, the better. But I don't know, man. There's the fact that, I, I, yeah, I, I understand she wasn't elected by a huge margin because hardly anybody voted in that, in that election because, I don't know, they, didn't dis- they decided not to rock the vote. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so well, she's not, not rock the vote, just rock the boat. Yeah, so she so she got in there and she was surprised to get in there and um now instead of just kind of instead of learning on the job and kind of, you know, staying keeping your mouth shut so you don't look stupid, she doesn't care. She's just she loves the attention, she loves the um the accolades and she quite frankly loves the fact that she's going to be making a good good deal of money, I think too, because of this. So, well, I do have I do have a plan that will work just as well as hers. Okay. And it's even easier to understand. It doesn't involve, you know, weird racial components like Tim Poole said. And uh, it doesn't involve, you know, farting cows and paying people not to work kind of stuff. Do you want to hear what it is? Sure. You like, you know, you like just invent stuff. You know, smart people invent stuff and we save the planet and then you just pay for it. That's uh, that's actually really brilliant. I'm I'm you are about pretty goddamn smart. Hey, can I fuck you? <laughs> um, no. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of how it went for her. That's been her life. Yep. That's uh that's her <laughs> that's her bartending. I, yep. I mean, that's 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 her thing when she says when they say how do you do this with technology that doesn't exist? She almost literally goes. Well, well, duh, we're just like do stuff. We're going to like make really powerful things and technology like is going to save us all with technology and stuff. And, and this is, you know, the, the, I've, this isn't my own original thought. I've heard this from uh, multiple sources, blonde from beating the beta and uh, a couple other um, YouTubers that she, she's kind of the product of telling women that you can do anything. You know, that, that the sky's the limit and, and don't let anybody keep you down. Don't tell any, let anybody tell you no, because anything you put your mind to, you can accomplish. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's not a good message. There, there's a limit to what you can yeah, accomplish. And it, and don't, it don't be stupid. people poorly. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, it, it does. I mean, you, there's a message funny. you can, you can give a message to women and young girls saying, Hey, you know, um, you can, I mean, there's no limit on opportunity for you. The opportunity is out there. Now you're not obvi- you're not going to automatically succeed in everything you try. And if you if you're like many entrepreneurs or people in any kind of field of expertise, you're going to go through a lot of failures until until you find your 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 niche or find out what you're good at or or get lucky, which is sometimes what happens, you know. And, and you kind of fall into what what uh, what you're successful at. But yeah, the sky's the limit when it when it comes to opportunity. But it's not the, the sky's not the limit when when it comes to results. You know. No, I agree. You know, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine just the other day about uh, my oldest. He's starting to get into chess, which is a great game to play just for you know, exercising your brain and everything. And, and, uh, I mean, I'm no like 
amazing chess player, but I played a lot of chess in my life and you know, he's, he's trying to beat me and I'm pretty much kicking his ass. Now, does that make me feel good? No. And I was telling a friend of mine this and he said, well, why don't you just let him win once in a while? And I just looked at him like, what do you mean? Just let him win. He goes, well, so he doesn't feel bad. I'm like, no, he's going to feel bad when he thinks he's good at stuff that he's not good at. I said, my job is not to make it easy for him. I'm teaching him when I'm beating him like, hey, hey, try this move or try that kind of thing. And guess what? One day he's going to beat that and he's going to think he's pretty fucking smart doing it. But he would have earned it right. as opposed to me just going, oh, yeah, you know what? Uh, so that your feelings aren't hurt, I'm going to pretend I'm not good so that you can pretend you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's just stupid. And it's not like I'm, you know, thumping my chest. You know, throwing the chessboard around like, yeah, look at me. No, I'm, I'm, I realize I'm beating a 12 year old. It's not that hard, but he's gotten a lot better, a lot faster. And uh, yeah, he gets frustrated, but when he wins, man, he's gonna, he's gonna party for out. Yeah. A couple of days. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's kind of a, you know, it's a rite of passage. And he'll be way better at it than I ever was. Yeah. And when you realize you can actually beat your, your dad at something. Um, but yeah, but okay. you should actually legitimately be able to beat him. All right. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this because she's just going to keep saying stupid shit that that we. Well, she. Just, I we I just don't about. understand how people can how people can think she's smart. I, and I say that saying I just said it last week, but I didn't mean she was brilliant. Well, I just mean part of it is her. Part of it is her kind of enthusiasm. Um, I mean, that, that kind of, that kind of, um, kind of her young, bright, enthusiastic kind of, uh, attitude will lend people to think that, okay, she's got something to say and, and she's articulate and she's, you know, she's, I mean, when I say articulate, I mean, just speaking wise, I'm not talking about putting an actual coherent thought together, but I'm just talking about stringing words together. Um, she doesn't stu stutter and hem and haw and all that kind of stuff. So she comes across as bright. She does until you kind of parse out what she's actually saying. And she's, she's not. Well, she's, I mean, she's, um, she's articulate, like you said, and she's passionate, which is admirable. But, uh, I remember I had a 10th grade English teacher who said, you were know, reading, uh, HG Wells, the time machine. And the first chapter is him explaining to these prospective investors, how his time machine works. And it sounds like this amazing speech he gives where he talks about, you know, the fourth, fourth dimension and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, my English teacher said, now let's go back and go through it again. He doesn't say anything. He just uses a lot of words. Mm -hmm. And he sounds smart, but he's not. Right. I mean, yes, he's obviously smart, but he's basically selling something that isn't there. And that's what, uh, unfortunately, I think for a lot of people, is that the Democratic Party is no longer a party of um, – uh, topics and um you know it's not a platform of coherent ideas anymore it's just feel goods that's that's all it is there's no policy in it anymore it's just like you know that you want an abortion get one people should have more money uh you know you're getting screwed by the man that's that's all it is and I mean, un un unrelenting racism stuff. is is everywhere and that and uh if you if you vote republican 
uh, it's going to be, you know, like uh, Biden says, y'all are going to be back in chains, you know, that kind of shit. So, and I, boy, I hope Biden does get in because I, I, he's a fucking gaff machine as far as I'm concerned. So, well, who on the Democratic side even scares you? Not nobody. I like uh, Trump even said it, it had to, t- it have to be like an unknown. And you know what? Honestly, people make fun of uh, Amy Klobuchar from our Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Uh, People make fun of her because who's Amy Klobuchar? She's kind of milk toast. Nobody knows her. She doesn't do anything, and she has no name name recognition. But I, I think that that kind of I think she might be the only person that could give Trump a run for his money because of her lack of history. She's basically Hillary Clinton without the uh, without the scandals and without the um, the massive you know um, network of just people around her that are just disgusting. So I, I, I guess I would be actually be worried if her name recognition shoots up there and then she goes against Trump. I think she has a real shot at it. No, I don't, I don't think for a second. I mean, mark my words. Klobuchar's one. <laughs> Sorry, what? I said, mark my words. <laughs> yeah. Mark your words. Uh, well, they laughed at Ann Coulter when she said Trump could win. So who knows? Right. Maybe you be a real perfect in that but amy klobuchar has won large uh majority margins you know 60 percent kind of in minnesota to stay senator because she's kept her head down i mean she hasn't done anything controversial um you know so she's just always been that minnesota nice senator and gosh you know midwest values and all that and she doesn't stick her neck out there on stuff. And I don't think she's got a chance in the primaries because, you know, they asked her what she thought about college for everybody. And she said, yeah, it'd be great. But, you know, we don't live in some magical fairyland. And so, no, I don't support that. I don't um, know. I think I think. It, oops, sorry. Go ahead. That's, that's going to keep her out of the primary, I think. But even if she did, when I don't think she's ready to hit big league pitching, I don't think she's ready to be, you know, steamrolled by somebody like Trump and. Um, you know, she's already got that uh, thing out there. I can't remember who reported it, but there was some survey of people in Washington, you know, like the pages and the aides and all that stuff. And they said that she's like the worst of all of them to work for. Uh, and, yeah, it's reported anonymously. But, you know, why did they pick on her? It came out about a year ago. So she didn't really she wasn't really running. You know, well, she is really. And that I, just, hard. I think the ones. Well, the ones I going to say that i thought i could be afraid of um are tripping over themselves to say stupid stuff i mean beto o'rourke is not um uh declared yet but he's already out in el paso going you know we need to tear down this wall that's not gonna work and he's trying to he's trying to liken it to the berlin wall when reagan said tear down the wall well the difference is the berlin wall was constructed to keep people in you know yeah and the <laughs> The wall on the southern border is constructed to keep people out. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Kamala Harris with her, you know, stupid shit she's talking You mean Kamala. About with rep. Yeah, Kamala. Um, her thing about uh, reparations now. Oh, God, yeah. Which uh, was even superseded the dumber thing she said the week before when she said, yeah, I smoked pot in college. Well, she graduated in 1986 and they asked her. I think it was on the breakfast club that's the name of the show i think it was the same show that hillary clinton did her stupid thing about hot sauce her total pandering yeah she carries hot sauce but, around uh, in, her, in her purse 
Yeah, what's the one thing in your purse that would surprise everybody? Hot sauce. Because, you know, I mean, Hillary, I see Hillary Clinton, I think of hot sauce. Yeah. You know? um, but uh, Kamala Harris said, well, they said, well, what was in the background when you what music were you listening to she goes yeah a little little snoop a little tupac well she graduated from college in 1986 and tupac and uh and uh snoop didn't release their albums until 91 and 93 respectively so that must have been some really good shit she was smoking to see into the future like that yeah i said this last time though she's got a lot of uh, credibility issues in the black community and it's it's that's been ongoing so this is nothing new. So, well, did you see her dad even came out against her a little bit? No. Because her mom, I think it's her mom is Indian and her dad is Jamaican. And she's married to a white guy. So she's got some, like you said, some credibility issues with the black community there. But um, she's had something about smoking and, you know, it's not a big deal because, you know, she come or half her family's or it was something like, yeah, of course I smoke. My, half my family's Jamaican. Her dad goes, hey, that's not cool. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you've got the Jamaican dad saying, you know, don't talk about, don't talk about smoking pot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think these, this group of candidates is tripping over themselves to say dumb stuff. I don't know. I think do the, in the primaries, is it basically nothing but super left wing activists doing the voting? Or, I mean, do the, do the kind of middle of the road, just, just left to center Democrats, do they stay home during primaries and not vote? I mean, well, I think regardless of which party it is, the super rabid extremists really come out. And by extremists, I don't mean like, you know, the KKK or the anarchists or anything like, or the Nazi party or anything. I, they, it's not them that come out. Although there's some of that, but it's the really, it's the hardcore followers, you know, the people who are really pushing an agenda. Um, it's not, you know, Joe Blow public. It's the people who are really into politics as a spectator sport. So you tend to get people who are more extreme in their party and they have to kind of uh, work back towards the center. Yeah, And I think that is my personal point of view, and I think there are many people who agree, um, although I won't speak for anybody else, that though Bernie Sanders was sort of out polling Hillary and beating her, the reason they fixed that race is they thought there's no chance for him to win. Um, and I, I believe the Democratic Party, the, the purse string holders there, who are generally moderate Democrats – um, did I say the Democratic Party or the Republican Party? Anyway, the, the Democratic Party, I think their Barack Obama experiment got a little out of hand. Right. Um, he took the party farther left, and those, you know, purse string holders in the Democratic Party, you know, who like the Clintons and the Bidens and the, you know, the, the moderate Democrats were trying to rein it back in, and Bernie Sanders was the next step left. And uh, they didn't like that. And I think that's going to happen again. I mean, there's already problems with Bernie already. They've got him on tape talking about how great Che Guevara was and the Castros and uh, how awesome Russia is. Yeah, wasn't there something about him? him, Revolution and all that. Wasn't there something about him admitting to going over and and teaching some communist country how to to fight against the U.S. or some shit? I'll have to look that up. I just saw that. I was like, no, that can't be true. But you never know. I don't know if he said that, but there's – well, he like honeymooned in Russia. Um, 
You know, I mean, he's, uh, and the reason he, and when he did that, he made sort of a political trip about it. And he was talking about like, they had a, they had a chandelier in their, uh, public transit station. It was beautiful. And he went to this, uh, theater complex that had, um, and actresses was publicly funded. And, uh, they even had like this puppet show and blah, blah, blah. And you could get in for basically the cost of $2 and 50 cents. You know, and so what a great uh, what a great plan that was. Well, you know, let's not talk about the millions of people that were slaughtered under communism. You know, yeah, we don't want to talk that. about that. They got great chandeliers. Yeah, I have no, I have no, uh, no fear of Bernie Sanders running against Trump. But I don't know. I think Klobuchar has some time. She's got some time to decide if she wants to go left and for the primary, and she can work on it and, and get get her get in there, and then uh, go against. Trump and I think I think honestly I think she might be the only person that would um, that would be a danger. So I think she's running for vice president. Yeah, that's probably true. Probably. True. I think she's out there to because you know the the Republicans really won the middle of the country, and I think uh, Klobuchar is the one to try and get them. I mean Minnesota's not really. Um, well, I mean Minnesota could be in play. It was almost in play in the last election because. You know, outstate Minnesota, which has always been very, uh, very blue, is turning red. Uh, now, most of the population in Minnesota is right in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. But, right. Um, right. There's, but- there's a lot of people outstate who don't like her. In, in fact, out west in Minnesota, Colin Peterson is a very moderate uh, Democrat. And they believe, you know, he's served for a long time and um, – He's he's voted against his party a few times. They believe that uh, a lot of pundits believe that when he retires, that whole area will go red. Um, you know, they're electing him because he's been there a long time. But he's been very he's been very friendly to the Republican agenda. And so I think Klobuchar is gonna be the one where they can say she's a woman. She's not controversial, which a vice president shouldn't be. Um, you know, she's well known in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And the Dakotas, you know, maybe she can flip a couple of those for us from the last election. Well, don't don't uh, worry too too much. The Democrats have uh, seen that they got a little too close for comfort, or it's been too close for comfort, so they'll really ramp up that voter fraud. So don't you worry; we won't we won't flip. We'll we'll say we'll say blue. You mean alleged voter fraud? Speaking of uh, alleged voter fraud, uh, this is from Alpha News, February sixteenth, two thousand nineteen. Minnesota woman charged with voter fraud. Uh, Ismali said the reason she chose to knowingly commit voter fraud was that Warsami was going to help the Somalian community. So uh, this woman, uh, Jamahia Ismail, was charged with voting twice. She voted um, in Minneapolis after being instructed to support Minneapolis City Council member Abdi Warsami. And, uh, you know, so Minnesota election law does not make it public who else she voted for. So she may have voted for somebody else, but, uh, more than once, but, uh, she did, she says she did not have any proper identification when she went to register to vote in Minneapolis. However, someone vouched for her and she was able to register to vote in the same day. She was able to register near Minneapolis community and technical college where she was also a student. The person who vouched for, uh, Ismail has not been charged. And Warsam, Warsami, or Warsam, whatever his name is, ended up winning the election, but chose not to release a comment. So, yeah, well, but that shit doesn't happen, according to uh, the Democrats. It's not, you know, that, that doesn't happen. So we, we don't need uh, voter ID yeah. laws. Uh, this woman who, who vouched for her, n- n- 
Not been yeah. charged. Nothing. You can do that. You can. And this woman that uh, that um, uh, did it and got charged with voter fraud. Uh, why wouldn't the person that vouched for her get charged too? You can just vouch all day long and not get in trouble. Fuck you. Yeah, so I was I was well, uh, an, I was an election uh, not election judge but a, a, a observer an election observer um, during this second um, um, Bush um, uh, when Bush was running the second time, uh-huh. and uh, I was in a, a Republican observer and in a very very blue uh, district in Minneapolis. And when I showed up in the afternoon for my shift. Um, it turns out that there was no Republican for the morning shift to watch. So it was just a Democrat in there. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so I show it up and as I walk in, I noticed there's a bunch of, uh, just scrubby looking homeless people, like maybe 25, 30 of them in line to vote. And I go, what's going on here? And, uh, the uh, Democrat woman at this point did not know that I was a Republican and I was like the, the, you know, the observer. Uh, so she goes, Oh, isn't it great? It's, it's a bunch of homeless people. They showed up in a bus and this, this person's vouching for them. One person vouching for them. <laughs> yeah. And they go, Oh, really? That's what's happening. Boop, boop, boop. Got in my phone and called the people that kind of set up the, uh, observing stuff and I let them know what's going on, but nothing came of it. I mean, that's, it's, it's perfectly legal to do that. So, you know, there you have it. But they, you know, they, they voted their heart. You know, there was no, they, I'm sure there was a 50-50 split of Republican and Democrat votes in that in that group of people. So it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, the system exactly. worked. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, those homeless people—they're kind of like independent contractors, so they're going to take in anyway. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I remember uh, last presidential election in Minnesota, there was somebody took a picture of a Somali woman, and this is not. This is not to diminish Somalis, but uh, which I know you love to do. Uh, but she was helping another woman vote. She was at the at the voting booth with her, pointing to stuff, and somebody took a picture of it yeah. on their phone. And they said, "You can't do this. It's it's absolutely illegal. You can't have someone in there with you to help you do it." Yeah. In Minnesota, and. Uh, uh, somebody pointed out, well, you also can't take pictures in the voting area, so somebody better get after this guy. And that became the story. <laughs> so this guy took a picture in there, and yep. you can't do that. And so the police wanted to, they wanted the police to investigate this person, and and that just kind of swept the whole thing under the rug. Um, and that's that's anecdotal, but if you've got people who are allowing that to happen, then who knows? So this idea that. Um, you know, voter fraud doesn't occur because no one's caught anyone. That's it. I don't know. Well, when you're if, not if, trying to catch anybody doing it. It's sort it, of hard to catch somebody doing it. And Rooster, if it happens, it's it's so minuscule. It, it's really not even an issue. So why even look into it? Why these? You know, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So why why uh, commit resources to uh, to doing this? And these poor people that do this, they you know they're they're probably just making mistakes. It's probably just simple mistakes. So. Well, I had a friend who was an election judge, and she claims there is no voter fraud. Fuck and I you. said, how do you know? And she goes, because it's never been reported. And I said, right, but how do you know? Because most people in a non-presidential election don't vote. I mean, what is voter turnout? I think it's it's under 50% yeah. you know, of the, of the voting population. I said, yeah. I said, so if I go in, I don't have to give ID. If I go in and I just say my name, 
right? And they give me my ballot and I go vote. And I come back later because I feel like it or I go to another place and I give the name of a person I know who's in that in that uh, district. And they say, okay, and they give me a ballot. And I go in and vote. I said, what's to stop me from doing that? She goes, well, what if they've already voted? And I said, then they tell me there's a problem and I leave. And she goes, well, you'd be in trouble because you'd be no, caught. I said, no, you wouldn't. you wouldn't be because you haven't done anything wrong. You haven't, you haven't accepted a ballot. You haven't cast one. You, know, you haven't done anything wrong. I mean, ethically you have, but you haven't broken a law. And on top and of I that, said, you're in these districts where they, a lot of these election judges like her, would look the other way. They go, oh, you know, this must be a, an honest mistake. You, you, this is this, this is, something's not adding up here, but it's not your fault. Just, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to be able to vote here. And that's all. They're, that's they wouldn't call police or anything on that. Well, but I asked her. I said, so she goes, you know, voter ID laws don't protect anybody's rights. I said, right, but what if someone who knows me and is dishonest and knows I'm going to vote a certain way that's opposite them decides they're going to go in ahead of time or have someone go ahead of time and say they're me and vote she goes well that doesn't happen i said I, i'm not asking whether or not it happens what happens if it does and she goes well then you know you'd show up and there'd be a conflict and i said do i get to vote then she goes no you don't yeah, there, and i yeah, said there, well yeah. that so voter id should protect my rights to be me and use my vote just like uh you know, laws preventing murder, you know, should s theoretically stop people from or at least slow down the rate of murder in the country. You know, I mean, it's just it's stupid. Well, er everything you what was even funnier is this last. Uh, sorry, what I was going to say was what's even funnier is this last president presidential election. My wife and I went in together. We had moved not out of the district, same district. We moved basically across the street. Um, and, uh, so we went to the same place we've always gone to. We walk in together, like side by side, walk up. She says our last name, first three letters and our address. They give her a ballot. She walks right in. I just gave him my ID. I just said, here, here it is. Take it off of there. Uh, they had to get election judge, all the stuff they were saying. No, um, you know, we don't have you in the in the district. And they said, have you just moved here? I said, I have lived here for the last 15 years. And they're like, well, is this a new address? And I said, yep. And they said, well, that's the problem. I said, no, it's not because I've registered under this address. That's my wife. We came in together. She's already voting. And it was like when I gave my ID, it became a problem. All they wanted was just, you know, Last three letters of my name, so they had to bring an election judge in, and he had to double check and all this stuff. My wife was done voting by the time I got to go in and vote. And her advice to me was, you don't have to show us your ID. I'm like, so showing you my ID caused a problem? I, I don't get that. You know. Well, I mean, everything you're concerned about doesn't really matter because since you're a white male, um, everything that you are – are worried about is inherently racist. So no, see that's not true because I'm told I have privilege. So when I get when I bitch, I should be able to go to the front of the line, shouldn't I? No, because if you're, I you're really have your your privilege has been called out, and uh, and now you have uh, a white fragility is the term because you're because <laughs> yeah that's the new term because your 
your privilege has been called out and you no longer um, hold the power you once had. Um, so now, now oh. you're desperately clinging to that privilege, trying to, but it, but it just shows your white fragility. See, see how it is. Uh, no, if I express my white guilt, does that get me any, uh, get me any, uh, intersectionality points or, uh, no, you know? no, but I mean, you can be an ally and, um, but you can't do I score any, do I score in the medal round in the oppression Olympics? No, no, no. You just, uh, you just have to, you just have to smile and probably bend over and take it whenever, whenever somebody says you have to. And then, you know, that, you know, there's something to be said about that. That sounds like electoral rape to me. Uh-oh. So I'm a victim then, right? No, no, you never uh, will be. Why can't I be a victim? Well, I'm. If you, I guess, if you cut your dick off, you might be. Ooh, yeah, no, I'm not going to take it that far. Okay, well, if if you decide to go trans, you know, that's uh, that's where you get some some good victim points. So. Yeah. You know what they say? Once you go trans, you never you never get over it. You never buy bands. Say I don't know. What's that? I said once you go trans, you never buy vans. I don't know. I was trying to re- <laughs> rhyme. <laughs> or you always <laughs> you buy vans. Vans are shoes, by the way. If anybody doesn't, yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I might be too old. That might be too old a reference for some of your younger listeners. Uh, yeah, vans, vans are still around, I guess, aren't they? They're still around, aren't they? Yeah, vans are coming. Vans are coming back. Okay, they were like no, they were like slip-on shoes with. Was using them. Yeah, they were slip-on shoes with uh, kind of gaudy graphics. So, I don't know. I had a pair of checkered. Or vans. they can be just real plain, but they're skateboarding shoes. Yeah. They're well, huge in the eighties. Let's. They're back now. Let's move on. We're already over half an hour into this with, and I I have more subjects. So. Well, but real quick on this, still. Yeah. I'm I'm mad that the white privilege I'm told I have all the time doesn't seem to be a privilege anymore. Right. So what good is it to me? Well, I mean, you, you, it, it, it's okay that you don't have that privilege anymore because you don't, you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. And, uh, it's someone else's turn. God damn it. And, uh, it's their turn. You just need to step back and, and let others have a turn. Um, and they'll let you know, right, but then that, They'll let you know when they're done having their turn. So you just sit back and take it there, buddy. It sounds like someone's trying to train on me. <laughs> oh, so, uh, you kind of cut out there. So I'll, I'll repeat what you said. It sounds like someone's trying to run train on you. But uh, yeah, yeah, it does. Kind of does. All right. So moving on. <clears throat> table topics. Sure. We'll do a table topic or two. Maybe just two this time. We've been doing. Oh, we're getting close to the end here. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite month of the year? That's. Uh, dumb. I can tell you what my two least favorite months are. Yeah, the ones we're in right February now. February and March. Yeah. Lots of snow. Pull well, February and April. March at least feels like hope, and then April's just everything's wet and gray. Okay. February's too fucking cold. Yeah. So here's the next one. What do you like most about the state where you live? Uh, as much as I don't like winter very much, uh, the change of seasons and, uh, when people say Minnesota is a land of 10,000 lakes there, it's true because we are everywhere. So, I mean, just having a lot of water around and woods and stuff like that. It's, you know, Minneapolis and St. Paul is a big urban area, but 
it doesn't take very long to get out of that and you know be somewhere where it's nice and you're away from a lot of people so yeah there's Minnesota's good. actually except for the taxes it's it's a really nice state to live in yeah there's good camping and you're right the change of seasons is nice um but summers can get really fucking hot and sometimes the mosquitoes are terrible um so there's yeah, that everywhere you live is gonna have three months that suck right yeah i mean if you live down south july and august are gonna be unbearable Right. So. All right. Well, should we do one more? Yeah, one more. All right. Uh, well, just what's with all the... Would you rather live in Los Angeles or New York? God, neither. No, yeah. I mean, I suppose uh, I suppose Los Angeles has better weather and New York has better culture, but I can't think of uh, many places that would be... L- uh, that I would be less likely to live. Yeah, it's really kind of a toss-up. There's 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 a lot of negatives to both of them, and and a few positives to both both of them. So it's it's a toss-up for me. It's pretty much equal. I'd ask where you'd live if you uh, could, but I think I know you'd be like in some uh, compound, you know, outside of uh, you know two hours outside of Boise or something like that. Yeah, a, a decommissioned missile si- missile silo probably. All right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, did you did you have a topic you wanted to get to? I we gotta talk some about this Jesse Smollett thing. All right. It's the story that that because, uh, keeps on giving. I Jesse guess. Smollett. Yeah, but the, there's a couple things that people don't talk about in this that I really think make it worse. Okay. Um, I suppose the first one they do talk about a little. He's still saying that he didn't have anything to do with planning this. I don't know how any person can can think based on, I mean, the fact that he wrote these guys a check, um, that he texted them before and after it happened. I mean, the, the evidence is overwhelming how he can, you know, be doubling down on the idea that he didn't do anything. is just beyond crazy to me. I mean, it's, and maybe he's trying to play the mentally challenged or, you know, mentally disturbed angle that he's, you know, got, he's already mentioned that he was dealing with some drug issues and all that. And they're really going to plead temporary insanity. But the other thing that I found just terrible that nobody really talks, it's been mentioned, but nobody's dug in on it. When the police called him and said they had two suspects, can you come down and identify them? He was happy to do that until he found out it was actually the two guys that he knew did it. And then he didn't want to talk. But doesn't that kind of mean that if it had been any other two people, he would have he would have said, "Yeah, they did it." Yeah, I mean, he absolutely I mean, would he have. Was, yeah. If they would have nabbed, yeah, if they, if they would have nabbed two white guys in the area, um, that were on camera in the area, and brought them down to be ID'd, and he went it strolling in there and said, "Yep, those are the two white guys that did it." Uh, I don't have any doubt that that's what he. But even done. if it had been two other black guys, don't you think he'd have done it then too? Yeah, I possibly. But willing. but when you watch that interview he had with uh, who was it, Robin Roberts or somebody? Um, yeah. When he he was very specific about them being white, he said that he saw their eyes, um, and he actually like made the little gesture with his hands, like made the window around his eyes, like drew a line yeah. around, his, saying, "I could see they were white." 
I don't know if that wasn't specifically, that wasn't a yeah. direct quote, but that's what he was saying. And so that's going to be pretty hard to come back from. Yeah. To walk that back. So. Yeah, that was the interview where he said if he had been, uh, if they, if he had said they were Muslims or Mexicans or blacks, he would have been supported very much more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's not, uh, he's not the brightest bulb. He, I mean, he's really stupid, yeah. really stupid. But I guarantee you, he he comes out of this with something. I mean, he'll he'll be gone for two years, and then he'll come out and say, "I'm really sorry about what I yeah I was in a dark place." And he'll his you know, his all the, that. the default for people like him is to go, "I'm I'm going into rehab," and that's supposed to kind of like clear them of any um, any you know responsibility. Say, "Well, I was hooked on drugs, so what do you expect?" That's well, there be, was um, the 10 or 15 years ago, and it, that may have just been when I heard it, but um, but I I think it was about when that happened. You know, Paul Harvey, the iconic radio guy, uh, said sort of disgustingly, um, and he may he may have been dead longer than that. I don't know, but it was a it was a great clip that was played to him, and he said, "If you want to succeed in America, fall down." He said, we love these people who, you know, do terrible things and then come back from them and say, you know, I was mistaken. And he's not talking about people who fail. He's talking about people who do, you know, bad stuff. You know, he was even mentioning, he said it might have even started with Nixon, you know. But uh, Well, I don't know if that's true anymore because I think it depends on politically. Uh, if it, you know, there's there's persona non grata as a lot of these people on the right, like, uh, you know, you don't hear about them anymore because they were um, like less. Uh, what's a good example is um, what's his name? Um, uh, he was the around for about a year. Uh, the the ostentatious gay dude that was going around to all the co- college campuses giving speeches. Um, oh, Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, Yiannopoulos is a good example of this. I, I don't think he's going to be coming back. He's still got something like uh, uh, maybe two, maybe not this high, uh, may not be this high. Sorry, I totally just smulleted that sentence there. Um, <laughs> I think he's got like six million followers. Yeah, I know but, he's not on Twitter, but but he's on just, a site. I mean, the the guy's still a pretty powerful voice when it comes to stuff. I don't know. I just I, don't. I haven't heard hear about it on Twitter and YouTube and all that. Pretty much blacklisted from 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 the public eye. Oh, you know, remember that story I was oh, telling you? Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. He married a black man, so now he's blacklisted. I see what you did. Well, I could have said black bald. Um, you, you, I remember me telling you about the, um, the, the proud boys, which is an, or, uh, it's a male or not male, uh, Western chauvinist organization, you know, created by, uh, yep. Mc, Mc, uh, Gavin McGinnis. It's Gavin kinda, McGinnis. You know, it's, it's just uh, like an Elks lodge kind of thing. Bunch of, bunch of guys broing out. Um, Anyway, they the leader of it is a uh, uh, a black guy or you know Puerto Rican, and then he basically got deplatformed from every social media. And then Chase Bank also said, "You can't do business with us." Um, he's not the only one. It's it's the Chase is ramping it up. There's two or three more conservatives that have that have been uh, deplatformed and, and told they can't do business with Chase Bank. Uh, Martina Mercota is, is another one. She's a conservative. She was. Uh, she used to be a um, burlesque dancer in New York until she was outed as a, con- a conservative and Trump supporter. Um, and she's works for the Rebel now, which is a Canadian 
um, you know, right wing news media thing. So she also got a statement. She was the one who was the uh, yellow jacket, yeah, uh, or the yellow vest um, yeah, riots, right? Yeah, with Bigsby or whatever. Um, yeah, she, yeah, she was. Uh, she was also uh, deplatformed or told by Chase Bank that uh, they, she can no longer do business with, with them. Um, well, they said, but if you do have any loans with us, you still have to pay those off. Um, I would say, I would say, fuck, <laughs> yeah. I would say, fuck you, fuck right off. You're not getting any more money from me. Um, but uh, yeah, the only problem is at that point you're defaulting on a loan. And, yeah, but you know. uh, I, they're basically trying to make people on the right, conservatives that are, have a voice. For, for number one, they're trying to silence them, but it's it's going further than silencing at this point. It's going to destroying their ability to function in society. To to you know, if you wanted to start a business, you know, if all these um, financial companies decide, you know, we're all going to kind of do this. We're all going to um, deplatform people. You know, Chase and PayPal already did that. Um, all the all the Stripe, all the payment processors are doing it. Um, you know, it only takes a couple more companies to go. Yeah, we're not going to do it, do business with you, and you're you're stuck. You can't start a business. You can't create. You can't get money from anybody. You can't transfer funds. What do they expect you to do? Well, I know what they expect you to do. They expect you to suffer in silence. That's what they expect you to do. Well, it it's not that dire. I mean, sucks that some of them are are doing that, but um, you know, there's always there's always a way to find money. For stuff like that, you know, you, you don't have to go through these big payment processors, and and there's a lot of these um, there's a lot of these smaller banks that will you know do loans, start businesses, and everything. And there are other companies that I think have a political agenda um, or political leanings, like maybe American Express, uh, which I believe le- leans pretty heavily to the left, but uh, they've always been a great customer service company. And I think they're capitalists before they're anything political, but it does, it does make it tougher for some people, but I still am a believer in capitalism and that, you know, if they keep trying this, this news is going to get out and you're going to get moderates in the middle who just say, look, I just don't want to deal with them. Then I think ultimately it costs them to be social justice warriors. Yeah. We always say you get woke, you go broke. Yeah. Eventually, hopefully. But I don't know. There, there's a real kind of dystopian thing where you, you see like what happens in China with their their social. What are they doing now? China's the where they have a. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. It's a program that China does now. It's uh where you have um, social equity or not equity. What's the word? Yeah, it's like a social standing kind of thing. Yeah, and so basically it, they go by facial recognition. They go by all kinds of shit saying, you know, you, you have like a point system and, and how good a citizen you are. And if you drop below a certain number on their point system, you can't leave the country. You can't uh, take tra- transport. You can't fly. Uh, you can't uh, take out a loan, stuff like that. And it's it's pretty scary shit. And they're doing it through the government there. But I, it. It's kind of they're getting that way with the corporations here doing that. So I don't know. I'm a little worried about it. Well, it's not that that dystopian here. And capitalism no. always allows for you know another way. Um, but yeah, the stuff in China is pretty scary <clears throat> because excuse me because a lot of that is even social media based. You know. Yeah. Like if you have a post on something that a a large amount of people dislike, well, that will drop your social standing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a social scoring system, and it's and it's been put into play, and it's it's a real thing. It's really happening over there. It's pretty pretty crazy. Uh, but we're yeah. kind of off off topic. We were talking about Smollett. 
So well, I just wanted to bring up those two things that you know people aren't really discussing is that you know the guy is, I mean, in the face of we give, I mean, give AOC some shit for sort of being caught out in the open on some of these things she doesn't understand. That, that was one thing I wanted to get to. <coughs> Excuse me, fighting a cough here. Um, but before I do that, uh, we give her flack about getting caught out in the open on things, but um, and doubling down on it. You know, at least those are sort of opinion ideas. You know, when she says, no, you know, you just pay for it and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but smallest thing is he's he's dead to rights with all this evidence. <clears throat> he's caught, you know. Well, it turns out they're, doubling, they're saying they're saying basically uh, Smollett's whole reason for doing this was that he didn't think he was making enough money. Um, and he thought this would be a way to kind of up his his visibility and up his uh, his status and and he could demand more money. And that's what he thought. But he's a fucking idiot. So he couldn't do it right. Um, I, I don't know if I believe it was for more money. I think it was just for more. Oh, you know, we love him. He's great. Well, the the part of it is he 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 ended up getting that letter, that death death threat letter that that he probably had the. <coughs> you gonna be okay there, Rooster? Yeah. Okay. I just, oh, I got this tickle in my throat. Okay. Survive. All right. Uh, so his you know, his Nigerian they call them Nigerians, but they're born in America, so I don't know why his his. His yeah, they're body. Americans of Nigerian descent. Yeah, so weird. But his body bodybuilding um, butt buddies is what what we should call them. But they, uh, I think they're the ones that mailed the letter too, because the I guess when they got their apartment raided or their home raided, a magazine was something that was taken as ed- evidence, and that's probably what was that laughable, you know, um, cutting out the letters kind of thing that, <laughs> that they do on the movie Ransom. Yeah, it's like it's like the guy watched too many cop yeah. shows. But he he had that mailed, and he I think the word is that he was upset that the studio didn't take it as seriously as he thought they should, um, and then so he decided to up up the game a little bit. So, but what was the point of it in the first place? What was the point? Was it just just to get accolades? And I think part of it is yeah, because he, he wanted to feel important and and be like a spokesperson for victims, and because that's that's the big thing now. But also he thought I'm pretty sure he thought that'd be a way for him to get kind of his face out there and be invited to events, and all of a sudden he becomes more popular, and then he can demand more money. So I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah, I I mean it might have been to demand more money, uh, but he was making twenty thousand dollars an episode. There's like twenty some episodes. The guy's making like four hundred thousand uh, dollars. Um. I realize you have an agent and all that. It's not near as much money as people think, but uh, it is it is crazy um, that he was doing it, making that much money. I do think that it was really about, you know, now I can I can be an advocate, and you know what, I can fight for love. And also, he that's he, what just, he, was doing. he hates he hated Trump. He hates the right so much, and he he's just upset that there's not enough um, of these um, attacks from from MAGA country people out there and uh you know he wants to highlight that too even though he knows it's happening it's just not getting reported so he's he's just gonna highlight that too so um you know to to try to smear basically 50 percent or more of the of the population that's okay in his book um but you know speaking of hate crimes you're you're probably not didn't hear did you hear about this uh guy that um set fire to a seven-year-old woman at a convenience store in, in uh palestine texas no Okay, so this is uh, from Fox News. 
updated, uh, posted on February 22nd and updated the same day. So I'm going to read this real quick. It's not real long here, but here we go. And I watched the video. It, dude, it was disturbing. So police, in, uh, I think it's called um, Palestine, uh, Palestine, okay. uh, Texas. So police in Palestine arrested a man for setting a woman on fire during a convenience store robbery. The vicious attack happened Thursday morning in the city, two hours southeast of Dallas. Police said Robert Thompson walked into the pit stop on Link Street to rob the place. There were two women inside, a clerk and a customer. Thompson allegedly pulled out a gun and demanded money from the cash register. But this was, this was they're jumping the gun here. Um, he went in first and bought a can of lighter fluid and then left. And then he returned. And this is when he pulled out the gun. He then ordered the woman to the ground, the women, bound them with tape, uh, and poured lighter fluid on them and set the, the customer on fire, police said. For whatever, this is a quote, for whatever reason, before he left, he decided to light or put some lighter fluid on both the cashier and the customer and then proceeded to light the customer on fire, if you can believe that. Unquote, said Palestine uh, Police Chief Andy Harvey. Watching it on video, I just can't describe it. It's just horrible feeling to even see that take place. The customer is now recovering from her burns at a Parkland Hospital in Dallas. Um, uh, here, let me see something here. Thompson, who is from the Palestine area, has a criminal history that includes several drug offenses. He's now facing charges for aggravated robbery and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Why not attempted murder? I don't know. His bond was set at uh, two. That that was me commenting. Uh, set at two million for each charge. Um, there was a woman in the car with him, so the the chief declined to say if she was involved in the crime. But here's the thing: I watched the video. So the guy goes into this convenience store, uh, pulls the gun on the women, um, puts them behind the counter, and and they don't fight, they don't resist. They one's sitting with her back against kind of the counter uh, behind uh, some cabinets, and another one's just laying flat uh, on the ground. Um, the the older woman and he just kind of spends his time you know taping them all up with duct tape and they just kind of sit there and let him do it then he gets done and he takes the lighter fluid can and he starts um just misting it over the whole area and then goes back behind the counter and just douses it on top of the women and then he kind of tries to make a line of lighter fluid outside from where the women are behind the counter to kind of like around the counter. And he tries to light it around the counter so that they can't see what he's doing. But it doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't take because it's not a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he ends up just going back around the counter and just touching the lighter to the woman on the ground and setting her on fire. And then he leaves. And then she, you can see her on the video, basically struggling and and uh, basically trying to get the duct, duct tape and the and the and the shirt off. And while she's doing that, her hair starts on fire, and she, you know, and it's pretty pretty hard to watch because it's a pretty good clear video. God, what an animal! Um, but uh, yeah, and then I see he's only charged for aggravated robbery and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Why? Why is not? Why wouldn't you put murder as a charge? Attempted murder as a charge? for that um well i once heard uh i you know i've had the same uh feeling a lot of times but i once heard years ago that prosecutors have many different levels of this because they don't want to get into court and and get in front of a jury with the uh you know admonition of reasonable doubt and have them say well 
he wasn't really going to kill her. She was going to be harmed pretty badly. And so if murder is the only thing you're going for, well, no, it's not going to rise to the standard of murder. So we're going to let him go. Okay. So if you add these different levels, like if they try him for aggravated assault, it's less likely that he's going to get off on that. So what do you think? So here's the, here's the, what I'm getting at here. So the motivation for, for robbing the place is, yeah, you're robbing the place. But the motivation for lighting the women on fire, I don't think that's – it's not, oh, I have witnesses. I want to get rid of the witnesses because then you would just shoot them. So it was basically because – it was out of pure hatred for these women. Oh, and I didn't mention that this guy, um, Thompson, he's a white guy and these two women were black women. So why is this not a hate crime? Oh, I'm sorry. I got that backwards. He's a black guy and they were two white women. Um, so I do that every time. Sorry. <laughs> but – but it, it kind of it goes to show you that if this would have been a white dude and two black women, it would have been oh my god! The only reason this guy did this was because he hates blacks, and it's it, he 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 it was a hate crime, pure and simple. We're not going to accept anything less. We're going to get hate crime charges right off the bat, and we're going to talk about how racist and, and and white people are and how they hate black people. That's what it would have been the narrative the whole fucking time. But you got this black guy uh, starts these two women on fire, and the only reason I can think that he would do something like that. Is because he, you know he doesn't look at them as humans. He doesn't he doesn't have any empathy for them. He hates them, right? So how is this not? And I, I'm well, not into but, hate crime legislation. I don't think I think a crime is a crime regardless of how you feel about it. But um, you know, just put the, put the shoe on the other foot here and say, yeah, it's bullshit. If you're going to charge, if a white guy goes in there and does that to two black women, goddamn guaranteed that it's going to be a hate crime. Um, and and it's gonna they're gonna talk about how you know there's a problem in this country how um, you know white guys go around targeting black people you know because that's that's the narrative left and right whenever you hear a crime that rarely happens um, white on black crime but the other way around something like this it's just like swept under the rug nobody hears about this I'm pretty sure almost everybody listening to this podcast right now haven't heard this story yeah I hadn't heard it so well that's how it is that I mean they try to people like Smollett. And all the fucking dingbats in, in Hollywood and, and all these left-wing media people and politicians, they will scream from the rooftops that America, white America is racist and just itching to kill black people. Um, and, and any kind of, uh, not even evidence, you don't even have to have evidence, just, just have somebody tell a story and they'll jump with it and run with it and make a huge deal out of it. But what we're seeing, if you look at crimes the percentages of crimes that happen from the the white on black crime is very low percentage wise per capita but the black on white crime is is huge but you don't hear about that is was that is that a, is there um something about racial um hatred involved in that i'll bet you a lot of it is but i guess you can't say that because according to these fucking lefties um blacks can't be racist against whites so i'm yeah, tired of just, it and, and, uh, yeah power over him or something. Well, and here's like the that. thing. I'm not pointing yeah, this out because... a lot of power over this guy, didn't they? I'm not pointing this out because I want people, white people, to rise up and start going, well, fuck these black people. I think we... No, that's not my point. My point is that you're... They're, they're, there's a concerted effort by a lot of people with a lot of power in the media, in um, academics, in pol politics, that are trying to paint a picture of white America as this hateful, racist, um, uh, black-hating and minority-hating and gay-hating um, group of people, and it's a dehumanizing effort, and what they're doing is they're actually making 
more people uh, racist towards whites, I believe, or, or are perpetuating more of it. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's disgusting. It needs to stop. And I'm I'm not saying that because a per, per capita or um, uh, you know, higher percentage of black people attack white people that all black people are bad. I'm not saying that. I, I don't. I'm not even implying that. But it's not reported. Why? Because that's not the narrative they want to shove. They want to shove the narrative of uh, unrelenting white racism. And that's, that's just not true. Well, it couldn't I mean, be further from the truth. They have – I think there is a concerted effort. They all have a different agenda. I mean I, the the politicians who do it want to stay in power, the people in uh, academia, I think they just have an overwhelming amount of guilt and a sense of self-righteousness. You know, there, There's different agendas for it. But <clears throat> yeah, you can't really deny that that it's happening and it's being covered up. But, you know, Matt Christensen had a great, uh, to tie this up, um, between the Smollett case and the racism thing. He said, if racism is so bad, it was one of his latest videos said, if you, if, if you have to drum it up, um, shouldn't you just be able to go outside and stand there with your sandwich and get your ass kicked? I mean, if, yeah, if it's as bad as you say, you have to fake it, you know? I guarantee you if this guy had gone out in Chicago and said, you know, I'm Jesse, I'm Jesse Smollett and I'm a proud black gay man, he probably would have had about 50 people who want to get selfies with him. Well, you know, what I'm saying is you've got people doing what Smollett did and you've got um, all these hoax hates and all this, this bullshit happening. Um, but you, you'll have a real a real response to it is that people think that white people or conservative people are hateful, evil uh, bigots and misogynists and anti-gay and and they're really perpetrating this kind of stuff and so you're what you're doing is making it easier for people to look at whites and, and men and people on the right as as less than human and so you get situations like just happened in um uh, was it berkeley where a turning a, mm-hmm. a guy that was put up a table outside um on the promenade or whatever in berkeley put a table up and he was um advertising for uh, Turning Point, which is a conservative um, organization, and he was, um, you know, doing the passing out leaflets and that kind of thing. And some dude walked up to him and started talking shit, and he pulled out his his phone, and the guy's like, "Don't record me." And he's like, "Well, you know, you're getting crazy. I'm just doing this for my own safety." And then another guy comes up, big meathead dude comes up and and says, "Fuck you, you guys are fucking racist and this and that," and punches him in the fucking face. So more than once. Well, yeah, they got in a tussle, and then he just cracked him, basically sucker-punched him right in the eye, um, blackened his eye pretty good, actually puffed up his eye pretty good, but and, and, and was felt totally justified in doing it. And then you look at a lot of the tweets of the students and, and people and activists in the area that afterwards, and they're, they're basically saying, oh, this guy really did what the right thing. I, they, more people should stand up and do this because these, these right-wing assholes are just, you know, they're hateful bigots, and we don't need them on our campus. Well, you're... That that's what you're getting. You're getting these lefties that think they're totally justified in doing that because it's you know all these uh, uh, whites committing all these crimes. I mean, if the only reason that Smollett's such a big case is because he's such a fucking dummy, and it's so it's so laughable how he tried to pull this off. But if he would have been smarter about it, there would have been nonstop media and academic and politicians talking about how we need to do something about these racist white MAGA people, you know, and if you see them on the streets, you know, you got to watch out because they might, they might attack you too. So, you know, prepare, maybe attack them first. Well, that maybe, maybe s- attack them first and stop s- them. I'm so. getting sick of this narrative. I, again, um, 
watching Rogan's cast at one point, some somebody said <clears throat> somebody was on a show and said, you know, not all Trump voters are racist, but all the racists are Trump voters. And I just want to go, no, that's not the case. Certainly there are racists who are Trump voters, yeah. but there are <laughs> there's way more racists in the Democratic Party. Just look at the history. Well, and I don't and the fact that they it, look. If I was if I was a black person or a woman, I would be insulted by this idea that you have to change all the rules to make it easier for me because you know because I can't do it on my own. And this whole idea of the you know systematic racism, misogyny, fucking prove it then. Show me. Yeah, it really you is know? on the left. A lot of these leftists they when. Uh, they think they're better. When Freddie Gray got, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, they think they're better. These leftists think they're better than minority. I mean, they really are racist because they think that without their help, without their uh, involvement and um, changing the playing field and making it easier for minorities to get, uh, you know, help and services and and education and this and that, without their help, they wouldn't be able to do it on their own. And that's that's. Right there. You don't think they're good enough to do it on their own. Yeah, and the example I was trying to bring up was, you know, Freddie Gray in Baltimore when he got, you know, beaten by, or beaten by those cops or killed or whatever happened. I don't know exactly how he died, but he died in police custody. You know, you've got a, uh, a city council that's almost all black and all Democrat, mayor's Democrat. The, uh, the police chief is a black uh, police chief, three of the six police that were indicted or uh, sent to trial over that um, were black. Your uh, <clears throat> district attorney in the area was black. If you're saying it's systematic racism, everybody in charge in that city, and it's been this way for 20 plus years, is a, is a Democrat or black. So who's the racist person that decided against all of the existing power that be that decided they were just going to kill this black guy. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just, it's stupid. I, I'm sick and tired of hearing institutional racism. You got to prove it to me. Well, the only institutional racism you know? is from the left because there's that. And it's a term that I heard from initially. I heard this from George W was the soft bigotry of low expectations. Yep. Um, and it is, it's on, and the left has that in spades. You see how I see what it did there. Um, no, I don't get. <laughs> but that's what they do. They 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 infantilize. Yeah, they infantilize. Make you say it. Infantilize the the minorities because they believe that they can't get ahead on their own and they need their help. The the the, the great white savior needs to help them. So these white liberals, they they are racist and they know it and they feel guilty about it and they won't you know that that's they'll punish everybody else for their for their I don't know their mental problems i guess yeah um i know we're getting long here but i just wanted to briefly address this one uh the, this thing with aoc about the amazon deal falling apart yeah and i know she gets talked about a lot and it bothers me that she does so much but she keeps saying stupid things and but um for for people who don't understand this whole three billion dollar thing and how this works um and obviously she didn't. The irony is that she's an economics major from a very prestigious university, Boston University, and she doesn't have the slightest fucking clue how these incentives for Amazon would work. 
Um, and she said, you know, we should give this $3 billion to school. This $3 billion is a tax deferment. So in other words, when a company comes to a town and says, I want you to abate or defer our – not defer, but abate our taxes. In other words, don't, don't charge us the taxes. The city will decide if they can do that. It has to be a certain district that they do it in or a big enough project or whatever, and Amazon would certainly fit that bill. And so they will abate their taxes to the tune of – you know, two and a half billion dollars over a period of years, right? Yeah. But the company is still there generating taxes after that point of view or after that point in time. So here's some interesting things about it. She says, uh, well, and, and when she gets caught on all this, she dumps down and goes, well, I understand how it works. No, you don't. You really, really don't. You're an idiot. Yeah, you know? it's, it's not money. Because yeah, it's not money that the – It's money that's generated – it's money that's generated by the business being there. This three billion dollars yeah. that we're going to get—it's not money that was there beforehand. It's not money that's going to be there since right. Amazon's not going to be there. It's not money that's available to New York, right? Until the company moves there, right? Now people say, no, no, no. They were going to give them five hundred million dollars. Yes, they were. It was a capital investment fund that the city had already decided was available. Amazon was just negotiating for more of it. So it was already there. It was already money in the New York City budget that they said, we're going to have this available for whatever company comes along. They could land Amazon. They went, well, we'll give it to them. So it wasn't other money that was generated. So, But uh, the part that people really don't get about this is when you abate taxes um, for a company, do you know who the biggest beneficiary of those taxes is and has to they have to, along with the city council, approve those tax abatements. Do you know who it is? Teachers unions. Schools. <laughs> so the largest percentage of this money that was that Amazon was going to get charged, that was going to be abated, would have gone to schools. And AOC said, hey, we can't have this. And she fought really hard to get it eliminated. So now the schools, after whatever this abatement period is, and I'm guessing it's probably 10 years, could be 20, but it's not going to be five, um, the, the company's still there generating the taxes. Any property tax that goes up because of it, and the property taxes were going to skyrocket because the property values were going to skyrocket, the lion's share of that property tax goes to the schools. He made the schools poorer. By doing this, and she's championing, saying, I fought for the little guy. No, you fucked the little guy. And when somebody pointed it out to you, you smugly said, I know how this works. No, you don't. You're dumb. Yeah, she's proven you don't time and time again that she doesn't know how finances work. I don't expect the average person to know how this stuff works. I don't expect the average person to understand tax incremental financing. It's It can be a fairly complicated thing. But I expect a person who's going to fight the biggest, you know, uh, the biggest uh, uh, business deal in the recent uh, history of New York City, and is an economics major from Boston University, to kind of have a fucking clue. And she not only doesn't have one, she's so goddamn belligerent about it. 
It yeah. drives me nuts. Well, that's why I think we we had that little clip from Tim Pool, where he basically said "fuck you" to her because he's tired of the same shit. Yeah, and he's he's supposedly on the left. He he keeps saying it, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's a great quote from Mark Twain, and I love to quote Mark Twain. But he has a quote that says, "It's not what you know you don't know that hurts you. It's what you know that just ain't so." Yeah. You know, in other words, things believe, you know for fact that just aren't true. Yeah. And she is a walking, talking, uh, horse tooth example of that. Yeah. You know, and yes, that's a cheap shot at her, but you know, fucking pisses me off with this stuff. Yeah. Can't help it. Well, you you wouldn't so. you wouldn't uh, deride a, a male politician's looks. So how dare you? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't. How dare you, Rooster? You know. <laughs> Sure, I would. Well, Richard well, Blum- Richard Blumenthal looks like uh, like a reincarnated corpse. How's that? Yeah, and Biden looks terrible. Biden has some fancy hair plugs. <laughs> yeah, only on part of his head, though. Yeah. Yep. So. Oh well. We're, we're, yeah. Like well, you we said, should probably call it. We're, huh? we're, we're running long here, so uh, if you want to get in contact with us, it's rooster at bread and circuses podcast.com or crow at bread and circuses podcast.com. Uh, and if you could check out our Facebook page at bread and circuses podcast, throw us a like or two, uh, tell your friends, share the podcast, whatever you can do. We'd uh, really appreciate it. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes and uh, Facebook and everywhere you can rate us. And crow says he only takes five star reviews or he'll hunt you down. See you. Bye. Bye.